Welcome to another episode of Rich in Relationship. And today we're going to tackle a really tough topic. And that is deciding whether to end your marriage. This is a really difficult emotional process. There is so much involved here. There's your value of marriage, the importance of marriage, how important it is to keep your word to handle it, to stick to it through thick and thin. <clears throat> there's the children. There's your own feelings. There's the feelings of your spouse. There's your extended family. There's the impact on all the ecologies of your life. And it's probably going to involve several stages to navigate your feelings and consider these options. This is going to include recognizing that there's a problem. It's going to include talking about the problem. It's going to include seeking support. You're going to want to weigh the pros and cons. You're going to want legal advice. You're going to want to make a plan. And it's going to be vital to remember there's no right or wrong way to do this. So let's take it step by step. <clears throat> What does it mean to recognize that there are problems in the marriage, right? The fact is that we could say there are problems in every situation, in every relationship. And if you were going to be a, an uber optimist about it, you'd say these problems are an opportunity for personal growth. They're not problems, they're challenges. In fact, you may have been taught that by your coach. Oh, this is not a problem. This is a challenge. This is something to work through. We can work through it together. And that's an awesome attitude. But a problem comes up when you've got feelings that just don't seem to be resolvable, no matter what you do. Maybe you're trying a lot of different things in your marriage, or maybe your partner is unwilling to try different things with you. You find that no matter what you do to shift and change, the problem being that dirty or ugly or unhappy or angry or unfulfilled feeling just isn't disappearing. This is, for those of us who are optimistic, a really difficult moment. I mean, we want to stay positive. We want to say we are people of our word. I made a commitment. I made a commitment to myself. I made a commitment to my partner. And now we have children. So that commitment has impact on those children. We want to believe that we're going to work through it. We want to believe that we've made all the right choices and done all the right things. But the fact is, the marriage may not be fulfilling or even healthy. And that's sort of the starting point is, number one, is it healthy? How are you both behaving to each other? Is there toxicity in the marriage. And the chances are, if you're listening to the show and you're seriously questioning it, there probably is some toxicity. We're going to define toxicity here as your one or both of you is saying or doing things that is demeaning or belittling of the other person. That's like the broadest definition, the most chunked up definition, right? And what that's based on is 
marry a marriage is a partnership between two presumably presumably healthy people it's a partnership between equals so when one partner starts diminishing demeaning putting down critic overly criticizing i don't mean like healthy constructive criticism the other partner <clears throat> then what you've got is the beginnings or maybe even an in-depth toxic relationship now, it might be that one of you is feeling that way and the other person isn't presenting that way. Some surefire meters of toxicity or measures of toxicity are, is there screaming and yelling? There really is no need for there to be screaming and yelling in a marriage. In fact, when screaming and yelling comes up, that's a good time to stop. Once people start screaming and yelling, that's usually a dead end. If it's a one-time explosion and then the person recognizes, wow, I'm really sorry. I had a lot more feeling there that I meant to show. Let me reset. That's one thing. But if they start screaming and yelling and if they start being diminutive and if they start being critical in their screaming and yelling and the volume gets louder and you're feeling afraid, the chances are something toxic is happening there. And certainly if there's physical abuse, if things are breaking, if there's physical violence that's that's certainly toxic. Toxic might be constant sarcasm, constant critical and sarcastic remarks to the other person. So it might be that there isn't yelling and screaming going on. It might be they're just making snarky remarks all the time. That can be toxic also. And in the end, only you can decide what's toxic and what isn't. You know, I get a lot of clients who say to me, ah, my family's Italian. Yelling and screaming is normal. And that may be, or it may be that that kind of normality is not healthy and not good. And it's something that you should look at. And only you get to decide. Other people don't get to decide. You get to decide what's working and what's not. It might not be about health or toxicity. It might be as simple as, how do I feel? Am I feeling fulfilled? Am I moving forward? growing and developing as an individual in this marriage? Am I learning and growing in this marriage? Or am I learning and growing in every other area of my life, but not this marriage? Or is the relationship itself stagnant and not fulfilling? These are indications that there is a problem, that something's not right. And if you find that these things are coming up, a next step could be talking about it. It's usually helpful to have open and honest conversations when there are issues in your marriage. And those conversations, as we pointed out earlier, they need to be vulnerable. We highly recommend using I statements, for example. If you find that you're making statements like this, you make me so angry when you say such and such that's probably not so good. If you find yourself saying, I feel angry when you say such and such because it reminds me of my childhood, that's a lot healthier expression. That's called using I statements. But it is pretty atypical for, for people to use I statements. They tend to use blame, which is the you make me feel. You make me feel, anytime it starts out with you make me feel, 
That's usually a blame thing. And it's attributing more power to your partner than you want to. Or if they're using that, the same thing is true. They're giving you more authority and power than you really want in the relationship. Honest and open conversations are going to be relatively blame-free. Let's be honest. We're human beings. We're going to have a tendency to blame. The trick is when we catch ourselves blaming, to note it and to see where we see ourselves as being a victim and to accept that we might actually be a victim in some sense, but we don't need to have the mindset of a victim. We It's very difficult to have open and honest conversations if we feel like we or if we're wearing the mindset of a victim, because that's going to color the conversation. It's going to make it less honest. It's going to skew it in some ways. It can be difficult, but it can also be an opportunity, these conversations. And the opportunity is when we have open, honest, and I'm going to add another word here, caring communications with our partner about the areas where we feel that we're not experiencing fulfillment or the areas where our marriage is not so healthy, that is when we have an opening. We have an opportunity to resolve the problems and we can start to build that relationship back up. And let's be really clear. There are three people in the room in any marriage. There's you, there's your partner, and then there's the relationship itself. And you want to be building all three up. Not that there aren't times when we might sacrifice something for our partner's growth or for our relationship's growth. But if we are sacrificing all the time, something's wrong. Or if they're sacrificing all the time, something's wrong. We want to be contributing equally in a caring way that is honest and open. Now, if you're not sure about whether the relationship is healthy, or if you're not sure about your fulfillment, or if you're not sure about whether your communication is honest or open, or if you're not sure how to stop blaming or how to call out your partner's blame, blaming tendencies, then this is the time to get help or seek support. This is where friends and family can be useful. Could be a group. Groups are going to be useful for this. Coaches are going to be really useful for this. Therapists are really useful for this. Rabbis, priests, anyone who is in a position to know you and listen to you and give you some feedback. Now, let me give you some clues on this seeking support thing. The chances are, if your relationship has been moving in this direction for some time, the people that you have been talking to have not been supporting you in the way that you need them to. If they are telling you everything's okay, just hang in there, work it through, that's very optimistic, but they're not helping you to see where you're not fulfilled, where the conflict is happening, where there's unhealthy interactions. On the other hand, if your friends have been saying to you for a while, hey, you really need to do something about this. This isn't normal and you've been blowing them off. This might be a good time to let them in and listen to what they have to say. Also, remember when you're seeking support that there are going to be people who are just not good at relationships. So if what you're looking to do is to work on the relationship, you want to find your friends who are good at personal fulfillment. You want to find your friends who are good at transforming unhealthy things into healthy things. You want to find your friends who are good at 
taking care of themselves as individuals and building relationships. Those are the people that you want in your life. And if you don't know people like that, of course, you can look for outside groups, 12-step programs, uh, online groups on Meetup, uh, any resource that you can find out there. And there are always religious people and professionals who are trained to help you. Uh, and I emphasize the word trained. Don't just, you know, anyone can call themselves a coach, but does everyone have years of experience working in the area that you're interested in? Does any everyone have uh, maybe an education in mental health as a means of validating what they do in terms of working with you? Does everyone have ways that you can release emotional baggage so that you can find out what the potential really is for yourself and your relationship. Look for people who have these qualities. All right, so you've got your network of support or you've got a way to look for your network of support. Your next step, now that you've got a board of advisors in the form of friends, family, uh, spiritual influences and professionals is to weigh the pros and the cons you're going to take a look at what are the pros and cons of staying in the relationship? What are the pros and cons of ending the relationship? And you also wanna keep in mind that even though ending the marriage feels like a quick solution to the problem, there's no such thing as quick solutions to the problem, especially when you have children together. When you have children together, you're joined at the hip as long as you all live, even if you're living in separate domiciles. So when you choose to get divorced, you've got at least six months or maybe even six years of divorce, depending on how you handle it. If you choose to stay in the marriage, you've got, again, six years or even six months, six years or six months or six years. God, I lost my ability to, to say this. When you stay in the marriage, you've got six months or six years to, to work things through. Either way, you're transforming a relationship. Whichever way you choose to go, you're, think of it as transforming a relationship. You're transforming the relationship because it's not working in its current form and you want to evolve it into a form where it works. And it might be better to think of it this way. You're not going to make a decision to end the marriage or to continue the marriage. You're going to make a decision to transform the relationship. And so think about how do you want the relationship to be? And then next, who do you need to be to, to be to have that kind of relationship? Not what do you need to do, but who do you need to be? And this is a really important distinction. You know, our typical way of approaching these things is I'm going to change what I do and that's going to fix it. But the truth is that no matter what we do, what really colors things is how we are being. So if we are frustrated and angry and we try to act out of caring communication, that frustration and anger is going to leak through into that communication no matter how hard we try. If we are frustrated and angry and we attempt to grow intimacy with our partner, that frustration and anger is going to show up in our physical intimacy, in our attempts to be emotionally intimate, and it's going to poison that experience. 
because ultimately our partner will pick up on the fact that somewhere in there, we've got frustration and anger, and that might be scary for them, or it might be a turnoff for them. We need to manage how we're being first. And if we can't let go of our fear, if we can't let go of our anger, if we can't let go of our frustration, if we have unresolved hurt or unresolved sadness, all of these things are going to get in the way of moving through and transforming our relationship, whether it's as a unit of married people or a unit of divorced people. It's going to get in the way. And so we need to release the baggage. And releasing it doesn't mean compartmentalizing it and hope it'll go away. Releasing it means going through it, sifting through it, understanding why am I going from zero to 60? Why am I suddenly so sad? Why do I feel suddenly so hurt over the smallest things? What is it that I need to look at and learn from so that I can let go of the hurt let go of the sadness, let go of the anger, let go of the guilt and the shame so that I can move forward in my life. It might be that you've got some limiting beliefs about relationships that you need to let go of. It could be as simple as I'm not enough, or it could be as complicated as I'm unlovable, so I'm not enough. Or it could be even several limiting beliefs linked together and cleaning out these emotions and then ultimately reframing and cleaning out these limiting beliefs is what's going to transform how you are being. And once you have that stuff released and cleaned up and opened up in the area of your personal relationship, you are now in a position to change the way you do things. And once you've done that, you will find out how you're going to transform the relationship because the other person is either going to go, wow, you're like a whole clean and spanky, shiny new person. I can work with you. Or they're going to be, wow, I'm terrified of you. I've got a lot of my own stuff to work on. You know what? No matter what you do, I don't think this is going to work for me. But you've got to clean up your side of the street to transform the relationship. The shift starts with you. And then you can see about them. We can't change them. We can't make them change. We can't even help them identify what they need to change unless they are ready, willing, and able. And they're usually not ready, willing, and able unless they feel safe. And then usually don't feel safe unless our side of the street is relatively serene. So cleaning up our side of the street is a giant step. Something else you're going to want to do is before you make the decision to pull the trigger on ending your marriage, if that's the, the direction you choose to go once you've done your street cleaning, you're gonna wanna seek legal advice. You're gonna wanna know what is the legal backdrop. So I have a client who realized he was in a very toxic marriage. He was releasing his baggage. He was cleaning up his life, but he also didn't wanna be financially vulnerable. So he got some legal advice and found out ways that he could protect himself financially while he transformed his relationship in whatever direction it's gonna go. Now he's still finding out whether it's gonna be a divorce or a marriage or what, whether he's gonna have a post snuff or how he's gonna do this so that he's preserving the financial freedom of his business, his business partner, his children, and still making his abundance available in his relationship in a way that feels appropriate to him and his wife. He's still exploring that. <clears throat> and he's got strong legal advice to help him. Super, super important. 
And having legal advice doesn't necessarily mean that you're making a decision. Consider it an exploration. Calling a lawyer does not mean that you've decided to get divorced. It means that you are exploring what your options are. Once you have your options, you can make a plan. Make, you can make a plan about what steps you're going to take. When are you going to get divorced? If you're going to get divorced, what are the conditions that need to be fulfilled? When are you going to get someone to help you release that baggage, for example, or how? You're going to make plans for multiple possibilities because you never really know where this is going to go until you've made a clear decision from a place where you feel calm, secure, and certain. Part of this is going to be, what are you going to do with the assets? What are the arrangements you're going to make for the children? What's going to happen with your living situation? Really, the most important thing is you want to remember there's no right or wrong way to go through the process of transforming your marriage. It's really important to take the time to make the decision that's best for you. So let's just sum this up. The first part is that you've got to recognize the problems of the marriage. You've got to recognize that there it might be fulfilling and unhealthy. You're going to want to talk about the problems with your partner if you can, if, if there's a way to do it honestly and openly. If there isn't, you definitely want to get some support either way, whether there is or there isn't. Friends, family members, professionals, groups, spiritual help, anything that you have going. You're going to want to weigh the pros and cons, probably with your board of advisors, uh, and on your own. You are going to want to seek some legal advice. Really, seeking legal advice is part of adding to your board of advisors. You want to have a lawyer in there letting you know what the impact is going to be of waiting, what the impact is going to be of taking action now. You're going to want to make a plan to uh, move forward. How are you going to move forward if you're going to pull the trigger on the divorce or if you're going to work on the marriage? And more than anything, you want to release emotion. You want to, the negative emotion. And it's not that you're never going to experience sadness, hurt, uh, guilt, or anger again. It's that you're going to let go of the old feelings that you've been compartmentalizing so you can make a clearer, more authentic decision that isn't being flavored by the bad decisions of the past. And we can help you with that here at Rich in Relationship. We've got a unique process called mental and emotional release. It's therapeutically validated. It's much faster than our other programs, which tend to take 12 weeks. We can do this with you in a couple of days, and it's got a money-back guarantee. So reach out to us and explore this option of mental and emotional release, because once you've had it, you will have so much more clarity on what's important and what to do next. As always, you can reach us through rich at richandrelationship.com or you can go to our website, richandrelationship.com, direct message us, and everything you need is going to be in the meeting minutes, meeting minutes, in the podcast notes or the video blog notes. And we're here to help you in any way that we can. Thank you.